Chapter 63 of Summa Contra Gentiles, First Book on God, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 63 The Arguments of Those Who Would Deny to God the Knowledge of Singulars. Now there are some who endeavor to withhold knowledge of singulars from the perfection of God's knowledge and in support of their contention they proceed by seven ways. The first is from the very nature of singularity. For since the principle of singularity is signate matter, it seems impossible for singulars to be known by an immaterial power if all knowledge result from some kind of assimilation. Wherefore in us those powers alone which use material organs apprehend singulars, for instance, the imagination, the senses, and so on. While our intellect, since it is immaterial, knows not singulars. Much less, therefore, is the divine intellect cognizant of singulars, since it is furthest removed from matter. Hence by no means does it seem possible that God should know singulars. The second argument is that singulars are not always. Either, therefore, they are always known by God, or they are known at one time and unknown at another. The first is impossible, since about what is not there can be no knowledge, which is always about true things, and things which are not cannot be true. The second is also impossible, because the knowledge of the divine intellect is altogether unchangeable, as we have proved. The third argument proceeds from the fact that singulars do not all happen of necessity, but some contingently. Wherefore, there can be no certain knowledge about them except when they are. For certain knowledge is that which cannot be deceived, and every knowledge of contingencies, since these are future, can be deceived. Because the event may prove the opposite of that to which the mind holds, since if the opposite could not happen, they would be necessary. Wherefore, we can have no knowledge of future contingencies, but only a kind of conjectural estimate. Now we must suppose that all God's knowledge is most certain and infallible, as we have proved above. Moreover, it is impossible that God begin anew to know something on account of his unchangeableness as stated. Hence it would seem to follow that he knows not contingent singulars. The fourth is based on the fact that the will is the cause of certain singulars. Now, an effect, until it actually is, cannot be known save in its cause, for only thus can it be before it begins to be in itself. But the movements of the will cannot be known for certain by anyone except the willer in whose power they are. Wherefore it seems impossible for God to have eternal knowledge of such singulars as have their cause in the will. The fifth proceeds from the infinity of singulars, for the infinite as such is unknown, because whatever is known is, in a way, measured by the comprehension of the knower, since measurement is nothing else than a kind of certification of the thing measured. Wherefore every act 
discards the infinite now singulars are infinite at least in potentiality therefore it seems impossible for god to know singulars the sixth proceeds from the pettiness of singulars for as the excellence of knowledge is gauged by the excellence of its object so apparently the pettiness of the object conduces to pettiness of knowledge now the divine intellect is supremely excellent therefore it is incompatible with its excellence that god should know the most trivial of singulars the seventh argues from the presence of evil in certain singulars for since the thing known is in a manner in the knower and since evil cannot be in god as proved above it would seem to follow that evil and privation are entirely unknown to god and known only by an intellect that is in potentiality since privation can only be in that which is potential hence it follows that god has no knowledge of singulars wherein evil and privation are to be found end of chapter 63 read by michael shane craig lambert lc